What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Stick Talk, episode 13. I wanted to skip over 13 like all the elevators in skyscrapers, but I guess we're doing 13. So welcome back to the show. Today we have on the man, the myth, the legend, Logan. How's it going, brother? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, we had a bit of a mix-up last week where we tried to film this, um, but there was a band playing and the audio would have been trash. So we had to reschedule. Logan was pretty flexible. Appreciate you, you know, making the time for us again this week. So um, the way we usually kick it off is just you want to give a brief background on who you are, what you do, what you're currently up to so the audience can get a, a good intro on you. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of started out uh, as a copywriter back in the day, and it was about like two and a half years ago, and I used to write copy for people's landing pages, and their landing pages were just so bad that I was like, okay, well, I can make better landing pages than that. So I started making landing pages, kind of got into funnels, email marketing from there. Um, so I kind of do all that stuff for clients and mainly the info product space but uh, I post a lot about a lot of different stuff on Twitter so I get a bunch of different people from a bunch of different industries that I can do work for and it's been kind of interesting like even one of my biggest clients actually was a native flute like teacher <laughs> like he taught people how to play the native American flute and which is like such a niche thing but he was like the only coach with any kind of like marketing or info products around it. So he made like 30K a month just from teaching people how to make like <laughs> play that <laughs> online, which is like insane to me. Um, so I've kind of always been in that space because I like that kind of stuff. And uh, just overall marketing for info products is kind of like my main thing, I would say. Yeah, I feel like you came up during like the explosion of click funnels, which is what made like businesses like that very possible, right? So maybe talk about how you like got into online business and entrepreneurship and copywriting even to begin with. Like how did you come across this industry and what like was the sticking point for you? Yeah, so I think I think all of us kind of just <laughs> were roaming the internet trying to find some way to make money from like whatever age. Um, so about like four years ago, I came across copywriting and I just saw it on Twitter one time. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but then I bought uh, a course for like 180 bucks, and at the time that was like, whoa! I'm like, it's a lot of money to spend on like just some <laughs> random thing online. And um, yeah, I kind of, I really was just chasing a way to like do something fun online, to make more money online, to do something. And copywriting seemed to be the thing to do back then, and I mean, it still is now. It's one of the best skills I think you can learn. Um, so I kind of just like ascended through that and. I never really had a plan and of what I wanted to do, but that kind of just leads you down a path of like, oh, do this now, do this, and you kind of figure out what people need and just supply that for them, and that's kind of how you can grow a little bit. Um, but yeah. So you're just super curious, basically, is the approach you took. Yeah, I would say so, because I mean, I think I've I've failed a bunch of different things, like trying to even my Twitter account right now, like my username is Lofted Learning. And that was because I had a blog like three, four years ago on like, because I wanted to be like a life coach or something. So I would just write posts on like giving people advice on how to do, how to gain <laughs> confidence, like stuff like that. So then I made that Twitter to kind of like promote that. And I just never, I should probably change my username to be honest, but. Um, it's like the meme, like the 20 year old life coach. It's yeah. like, dude, you, you haven't even lived. What are you going to do? Dude, I would respond to people on Twitter and be like, well, they've uh, experienced different things and <laughs> try to like defend that idea. Uh, but yeah, I kind of realized that I wasn't going to make money off of a life coach, like blog <laughs> as like a 20 year old, essentially. Um, but yeah, essentially like just being curious with things like even, I think the first 
way I made money online, not kind of online. I used to jailbreak people's phones in middle school <laughs> and then just like charge them 20 bucks for it just because like I would like doing that with my iPod and stuff and I could do all this fancy stuff. Um, and I would just charge, I'd be like, yo, look at the, look at my phone. Look, I have like five apps in a row or something <laughs> stupid, something stupid like yes. that. I'd be like, yo, how, how's your background moving, bro? And I was like, well, I can do it for you for 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, Which was a come up back in the day, right? Yeah. Like it was just anything. And then I did like, I tried to get people um, like followers on social media and stuff. So I would go to those sites where you could buy like 20,000 followers for like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. So I tested it out with my friend, and I just sent him, like, 20,000 followers. And it was just so, like, he's like, what's happening? What's happening to my <laughs> phone? But uh, it just, like, they're all bots and stuff. And back then, like, it was still, it still kind of worked to an extent. Uh, but it, I was like, this is not, like, a business that I can make out of this. Um, yeah, so it's kind of just like that, testing different things, failing, and then trying something. And eventually something, like, sticks after a while. So I guess, how do you go from taking the skill set of copywriting and just having an interest for building funnels and landing pages to turning it into a business that provides for your lifestyle? Yeah, so to, honestly, like, I've yet to actually figure out a very specific offer that I want to pursue, like, long term. Because right now, I mean, I haven't done outreach in probably almost a year just because people have been contacting me on Twitter and I'm always filled with like stupid little one-off projects or like more involved things where I take a revenue share and um, just like kind of work inside the company as like their marketing person. So it's kind of just been a progression of figuring out exactly what I can do to really what I can provide people to like the highest level. So it, in the beginning it was just a landing page, but then I'd give that to them and they were kind of just stuck. Like they were, it's like, oh, well, how do I run traffic to this page? Like, do I need an upsell? Do I like all this stuff to try to have email automations for people that don't actually sign up? Um, so it kind of just progressed into a thing where I was like, oh, I need to provide more to get better results for people. So that's kind of, and I still do any page like one-off projects now just because it's like fun, but I don't really make too much money off that. It's really just like where I'm building out funnels for people, maybe like their welcome sequence to kind of get more people interested uh, and like really giving them a system. And that's kind of what I've realized is the main selling point with a lot of these clients and people is it's not like you're providing them a way for them to make more sales because they're making a decent amount of sales. They're doing whatever. They have a system. It's just not working well. You're kind of like giving them a way to automate things by putting a funnel in their business, connecting all the email automations, and then showing them like a way to promote this kind of stuff to where they're going to grow a lot more and like they can scale easier. They can run ads to these pages. Like they can do a bunch of different things instead of just like posting content, and hoping for the best. Um, so I think I kind of realized that people need more of a structure. At least, I mean, obviously there's higher ticket people that know exactly what they're doing and they kind of just need a little uh, change on things. But for the most part, they kind of need some kind of structure to follow because not everyone knows a lot about marketing. Well, that was, that was kind of like a realization that we had recently, too, is like if you just solve the problem that is their landing page, it's only going to create the next problem in their business, which is either traffic. It might show signs that their offer is not optimized and they need to change their offer. It might show that their sales process is unoptimized. They're not closing enough deals. And so I think that's like an opportunity, right, to create an offer that's more valuable and that you can charge higher ticket for is by solving more and more problems in the business as long as 
you have the experience and you could kind of almost predict it or future solve it. So I guess talk about your recent success because I saw you post, uh, I think it was on Twitter, maybe in Client Ascension, just recently having like your biggest month. Is that, would you say, because you're solving more problems for who you're working with or what, what would you contribute that to? Yeah, so I actually did a breakdown today because I wasn't really trying to like push this month and it kind of just came to be. Um, so back when I joined the group, Daniel had kind of pushed me to make a landing page course. And he's like, dude, I don't tell this to many people, but you already have an audience and you don't have a course. Like, that's kind of stupid. Like, make a course or something that you can, like, provide people. So I made the course, and then when I added some more stuff this month, I, like, ran a little promotion on it, add some bonuses. Essentially, I kind of realized, like, a month ago that I have an audience big enough that I can do what I do for my clients for myself now. Mm. And I never really like thought about my Twitter as like that kind of medium. Um, so I started doing that stuff more. So I made a decent amount just selling the course. But then like I hadn't taken a client until like last week. Like I hadn't signed any new clients. I wasn't looking to get new clients because I was trying to build out systems so that I can actually scale more on like the one-off projects and stuff like that. Um, so it was more about, and then I tweeted one night and I was just like, hey, I'm looking to create a system for like landing pages and stuff. So anybody that signs up for like a landing page gets like 40% off if they message me like right now. And I got like 10 DMs and I ended up signing um, three of those people. And the one guy actually, um, like it's, it's crazy the amount of random people that reach out to you on Twitter. Like <laughs> some dude with 200 followers the other week, he had like a meme profile picture. And I was like, he's, he told me, he's just like, I can get you a lot of clients. And I was like, okay any, <laughs> any other details on that and uh he's like oh yeah yeah uh i've worked with his this and this and this and this is actually my burner account because my actual account suspended and he's he literally works with like um he just did a deal with like kylie jenner recently <laughs> like doing he does brand deals for like crazy big people uh and has essentially grown people's social media accounts and he's like i even have a client in the pipeline and i'm not allowed to say his name but I can tell you where he lived. And I was like, okay. He's like, he lived in the White House. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just like some random dude with 200 followers like messaged me like that. So it's kind of cool to see the reach you can have. But for me, the growth this month was from the course. Uh, I've kind of been doing a couple more programs and stuff, teaching people how to do things. But then the clients, like that one tweet made me like 12K alone just because uh, – a bunch of different projects like even writing emails for people then i did like two landing pages uh so yeah it, it really was because i like expanded my horizons and kind of learned how to do more things relating to like my main service which is landing pages uh so i think that's definitely helped been really helpful in my like progress yeah and talk about growing on twitter real quick because i know when i joined like you were already one of the ogs on the on the platform <laughs> where you already had like 30 something thousand followers um, so talk about, like, how old were you when you joined and how has Twitter impacted? Obviously, it's impacted your business, but how has Twitter kind of kick-started your growth as a business owner? Yeah, so I kind of started when Money Twitter was, like, four or five accounts. And I don't even – like, have you guys ever seen, like, Chris Johnson, that guy? Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. he was, like – he had, like, 50,000 followers, and he was, like, the big guy. I haven't, I haven't seen him in ages. Like, I don't even know what he's doing now. He's probably retired. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Like, he was making a decent bit back then, so – because he was, like, the first person on Twitter to kind of, like, in my eyes, like, start that space a little bit. Um, so I kind of started then. And at first, I, like I said, it was, like, for my blog. And then I realized, like, okay, this is not going to, like, <laughs> be a long-term thing at all. Uh, so I transitioned to, like, learning the copywriting stuff. 
And then I just started tweeting about that. And that was in, tw actually it was when the pandemic hit because I went to study abroad. I studied abroad in New Zealand um, from February, 2020. And then pandemic hit and my school. Did you get out? <laughs> so my I was in New Zealand and I was there for like four weeks and our school emailed us and said, you have 48 hours to book a flight <laughs> home or you're getting expelled. <laughs> we were like, what the fuck? Like, I, we didn't know why it was such like a big deal because in New Zealand, there hadn't even been any cases yet. And in America, like there was lockdowns, like everything. So we were kind of confused and I wasn't going to like drop out of school right then and there. So I booked a flight home and even some of my friends like booked a flight way too far in advance knowing that they'd have to stay then. So then some people stayed, but when I got home, I was just so bored that I was like, well, I guess I'm going to try like my Twitter account again. So I literally just started tweeting like once a day and kind of just gained connections through that. And I've kind of grown slowly considering I've been tweeting for like two and a half years now and I have like just under 60K. Uh, like a lot it's of people. Still pretty damn good. <laughs> well, yeah, but say, damn, bro. most people have like, that have joined the space in the last year have just like flown by me. Like there are people with 100K plus now. Even like Dakota, who's at like what, 150K or something? Like he was new, new when I was like still at like 10K or something like that. So it's kind of cool because I've always been, I always had a higher follower count so I could make the connections with the cooler people in the space um, just because I had the platform. But it wasn't like I was still learning a bunch, I was still in school. I played college soccer, so like I was really busy with school and doing that. That I wasn't really doing much with like my. So how did you stuff. how did you pick up copy in college? Because I feel like that's a big topic for us is like picking up. We started our agency in college. How did you? Was it like a Russell Brunson book? Was it an ad? Like was it a professor? Like what got you into the actual market? Yeah, world? it was the Tej Dozo's six figure promotions course was the one I took, which is pretty popular on Twitter. Uh, at least people know about it. But I don't even remember. Like I think I just stumbled across it um, like going through Twitter one time and I just like well let's do it and I took it but it wasn't I don't know it wasn't really like anything specific that I liked about it because I hated writing but like writing copy to me versus like writing in school like an essay or something is like completely different and you're not like forced to these specific guidelines and constraints and stuff which is what I didn't like about school so um, but in school I don't know it was kind of just I don't think I was, like, bored because I was still really busy, but it was just, like, one winter break. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I had, like, a month off, and I just found something, and I kind of committed to it. And then after classes, I would kind of just do that for a couple hours. Uh, and then even – so that was, like, sophomore year when I started. And then junior year, I kind of let off the gas a little bit, uh, and then the pandemic hit, so then senior year, that's kind of when I started getting back into things again and kind of just exploring funnels and all this stuff and – yeah, it was kind of just like a slippery slope of like, okay, if I know this, now I need to know this, and I need to know this. But um, it was always just like a curiosity thing. Like, oh, my God, people are literally making like millions of dollars doing this exact thing, and I can learn how to do it if I spend like an hour to a day, like trying, practicing to do it, which was just like crazy to me. Was that like the main motivation for you is the fact that you could earn that much money from that small of like a time investment to learning the skill? Like, did you have plans to get a full time job? Like, what was your outlook on life at that point, would you say? Yeah, I mean, senior year, I was still pretty committed. I'm an environmental science major. Like I graduated with environmental science degree, which like doesn't correlate with marketing <laughs> like at all. <laughs> um, so that year I was pretty much set on like getting an environmental science job and just like doing this stuff on the side because it was fun. Um, and then up until like 
even April, I was applying for environmental science jobs, and I was graduating in May, and I had an interview, and uh, with a company that I like actually liked and would have probably taken the job if I gotten it. And on the interview, as soon as I got on, they're like, "Oh, you're applying for this job," and I was like, "Oh no, like that's not the job." And she's like, "Oh well, we have a big company, we kind of get our wires crossed sometimes, so it, we'll have to reschedule or something." And I was like. Dude, what the fuck? Like, I've been preparing for this, and now I just have to go sit around for, like, two more days and wait. Uh, so I was kind of like, wait, why am I not? I spend, like, five hours a day after I'm done work and soccer doing this stuff. Like, why am I not just, like, committing to it full time and actually, like, believing that I can do this and make this, like, my full time thing if I enjoy it so much? So was it, like, the fact that they had just basically blown you off and switched around? You were living on their terms that you're like, fuck it, I just want to do something myself and have yeah, full ownership like, over it? Yeah, kind of. It kind of lit a, lit a spark. Like, not... I didn't really, like, care so much, but it just made me think, like, they don't really care that much. Yeah. And, like, I'd rather be kind of more in control of what I do. Um, and, like, even I had always thought about trying to start, like, my own thing. Like, I did a lot of landscaping growing up, and I'd always wanted to start, like, my own landscaping business or something like that. So I'd always had the mindset of being my own boss at some point, but I just wasn't sure of, like, how I was going to get there. So... To me, it was about, like, I was going to go through the, the corporate ladder of, like, doing this and doing this, and I was going to try and become a boss, like, in the quickest amount of time possible. Uh, but then I was just, like, I think at the time, I probably only had, like, 5,000 followers on Twitter. But I was, like, well, that's enough for me to, like, commit to this a little bit more than I'm, like, giving it time for. Um, yeah. So what was the turning point from, you know, being half in, half out on like an environmental job and doing this on the side, like what was the moment that you're like, okay, I can, I can go all in on this. I have the money coming in. It's a realistic thing that I can just do it full time. My parents agree with it. Like, was there a client that you signed or like a month that you had that kind of turned the table? Yeah, I mean, not like even my first copywriting client um, was in like April of 2020, and it was actually a WWE star. I like was <laughs> I was uh, like cold emailing supplement brands that I found off like Google ads. And the one dude responded that had a supplement company and literally like the first 4,000 bucks I ever made was through just writing copy for his product pages and stuff. Um, he doesn't respond to me anymore because, well, that's the client. I was like, dude, you're putting this on the page wrong. Like, this looks absolutely like absurd. Like, what are you <laughs> doing? And he's like, well, my guy's not doing it really right, but I'm friends with him, so I can't really fire him. And I was <laughs> like, well, then I'm just going to do other things. So um, that was kind of. Like, that was my first client, so it was, like, my realization that, like, oh, I can actually, like, do this if I wanted to. Um, but then a year later, when I was still applying to stuff and not thinking about doing it full time, I don't know. Like, I kind of just thought, I think I had seen enough people through Twitter over that year, like, win, make a lot of money, like, drop out of college, quit their jobs, like, everything like that, that I kind of realized that, like... I could do this if I really committed to it and I'm graduating in a month. So I'm literally going to have all my time to doing this. Like I can live at home. My mom doesn't care if I live at home. Uh, she pro and she wasn't really a fan of what I was doing. Yeah. She's like, I want you to get a job. And like my grandparents are like, this isn't smart. <laughs> but like, I feel like that's what everybody's grandparents are going to say. Um, yeah. But like my parents were a little like skeptical and even like I <laughs> to justify, I'd be like, well, this guy on Twitter is making this much doing the same thing. And she's like, how do you know he's not lying? And I'm like, I don't know. He's got 10,000 followers. I doubt he's been lying for two years. Um, but it was just always like the like, oh, I could probably do it. And then that kind of like as soon as I graduated, I kind of wanted to commit to being like, well, now that I'm done soccer, I'm done school, like I can actually commit 
a full-time job worth of time to figuring this out, getting clients and actually doing it. Um, so I wouldn't say there was really a turning point because it's kind of, it was always, it, it had always been up. like a struggle to like figure out like, oh yeah, this is actually what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, it was just always like the fact that this is possible and like, it's not hard to make that beginner salary to like even match a nine to five that I would have probably gone into for like the cheap paying environmental science jobs. <laughs> like I could match that in like a year. My, that's what my thinking was. Um, so to me, it wasn't really too much of a risk. It was just more of like, I needed to keep my mindset strong to like essentially ward off like the other people telling me like, eh, this probably isn't this a good idea. Yeah. And I honestly think that's like a really good and honest answer. Your journey, what you just described is probably the most common route that people take where it's not some like dramatic moment or big turning point. It's kind of just, you're doing the work day in and day out. And you're seeing other people who are doing the work that are reaching whatever goal you have in mind. Maybe that's 10K a month because you're stacking it up that versus whatever environmental science job that you're going to get. And you just start to buy in and believe like, oh, okay, this is really possible. So it sounds like it was just more of a gradual shift instead of you just going all in. I guess one thing that's interesting, like when I had met you in person at our client Ascension event, I like, I saw your face and I was like, oh, it's a landing page guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you obviously started off with the life coaching aspect. When did it stick that, hey, like I could be the landing page guy here? Did you have to try anything other than the life coaching? Was that like the... Second thing, because it didn't just click in business. It obviously clicked with the branding. Because, like, first thing I noticed was, like, oh, landing page guy. Let me let me go introduce myself. Yeah, yeah. I kind of started. So, after, like, the life coaching thing, I transitioned. I think I had, like, copywriting in my header. Because that was, like, the next thing I was learning. And then, essentially, once I realized, like, so I think I started copywriting stuff, talking about that stuff in, um, like, May. And then, by October, I was, I had, like, 2,000 followers and was the landing page guy. So I had changed over to that. Um, but I was kind of always just changing to figure out like what I could make myself like a name for in the space, but also let I enjoyed doing. So at that time, there were still like two landing page guys that were like way above me in followers. And I was always like mentally competing with them, like even checking out their tweets and stuff. They're like, okay, what are they doing? What are they doing? And the one dude just dropped off after a while. He was even making like... Um, like uh, card courses, like on that website builder card. Yeah. So then I was like, well, if he dropped off, then I'm going to make the card courses. So then I kind of tried to become known for that. And then I was like, this isn't like big enough an, an idea to like make my thing, you know? Like I even thought about starting an Instagram and talking about all this card stuff. I'd reached out to all these people on YouTube that were getting like, because uh, card was decently new back then. So the only posts on YouTube about it were like very specific tutorials and they all had like 100,000 views. And so I would reach out to them and be like, yo, would you want to sell my course? I could give you an affiliate link, something like that. So I was kind of always, like you said, like gradual, like trying to figure things out. But it was pretty early on that I stuck to landing pages and realized like, okay, if I could beat out the dude with 7,000 followers, like then I'm that guy. And then I kind of just never changed it, even though like my offers and stuff have changed. Uh, like I, for the most part, people still come to me for the stuff like surrounding the landing pages just because it's all like very integrated. But like even my account is still fully based on landing pages and I've kind of only just started transitioning to like funnels more and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, that's going to come with like dialing in on an offer, like what exactly I want to talk about. But to me, landing pages was just the thing I could get ahead of people in and become known for in the space. So I just decided to like double down on it essentially. Yeah, and I feel like landing pages is such, and copywriting too, right? They're such 
like common services and skill sets. And so like for people looking to get into it, it's almost like, how am I going to compete with guys like Logan? Or like you were thinking, you had guys that had more followers than you that were doing landing pages. It's very similar to our come up with like cold email. Like we were obviously not the first people to do cold email, but I feel like the best strategy to take is just to outlast everyone else. Like you don't have to be so much different. You don't have to have like the most unique mechanism. A lot of times if you just outlast the competition you'll end up winning and i feel like that's what you did from what it sounds like so i guess one of the things that is always a struggle with just last outlasting the competition is like staying innovative and staying like passionate about landing pages right because you do landing pages for so long it's almost like (laughs) i'm I'm sick and tired of landing pages right (laughs) like oh how you can only do landing pages for so long and still get entertained so i guess like how have you been able to you know, stay innovative and also just keep yourself like passionate about the work that you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, with content in general, because that's kind of where I've like taken my business is like focusing on what I'm doing and then kind of talking about that and then going in surrounding topics around that. So I've been trying to figure out ways to make like the whole marketing stuff like more interesting to people. So even today I posted like a marketing challenge of how to frame an idea of selling an ebook to parents that can't get their kid to like sleep a full night like their baby is non-stop crying they've tried everything stuff like that because i think like that stuff's interesting to like think about all that stuff that goes on behind like oh like maybe we should take this angle maybe we should use this headline and it's interesting to see like the stuff people have to, to say like someone was like dunk your baby in whiskey or something like that <laughs> i was like that's a little strong like i don't know some people are just crazy on twitter but um trying to keep it like entertaining on the content side of things has just always been like an evolution of like trying out new things and whatnot. And then through work, it's, I don't know, it's kind of just been the fact that I'm turning into things from like a freelancer to like a business. So it's no longer like, oh, I'm just going to do this and like hope it works well. It's like, I need to figure out exactly what's going to make it work every time. The sis, like where I need to do the research, what I need to write down every time, what I need to answer uh, like question wise every time and stuff like that. And then kind of just like expanding on the ideas like surrounding landing pages and stuff is always because I think the deeper you dive into it, it's like, okay, if this landing page works, what emails could I push to that landing page from their list to kind of get more people in? So then you're thinking of like promotion ideas and stuff like that. And it's almost just like the fun and it's like just testing so many different things that you can kind of see what works and what doesn't. And when something works, it's just like you hit like the lottery or something. Yeah, you, know? you get like a high from it. Exactly. And I feel like part of it too is just not making landing pages for chiropractors every single time, right? Like you're almost exposing yourself to all these different products, solution markets, types of customers. And that's what almost keeps it entertaining. Yeah. And it, it to an extent, it's exciting, but it's also like more difficult then because I'm kind of going to so many different industries. Like even some chiropractor actually just reached out to me. It was like, yo, I'm, I'm paying this agency however much a month to run ads to my page and to my website. And there's like, it's like, welcome to <laughs> chiropractic. It's like, no one's going to convert from that. Unless someone's, in, I told him, like, if someone's in a lot of pain, they're going to convert from that. But to like actually convert somebody, you need to like have a very specific offer and talk specifically to them. So like running pay, running ads to a website is essentially like useless. Um, but yeah, different clients and like like I said, that native flute coach was a very weird niche. And even that dem- so different demographics is interesting too because 
that demographic is like 50 plus. So my landing pages were like very, very simple. And I noticed I would like look at the user recordings to see what people were doing. And there would just be like, I can just like picture an old grandmother just like clicking on the picture a bunch of times to see if it like gets bigger. So I would literally, I started linking uh, the checkout from the picture. So someone would click on a picture and just go to the checkout. <laughs> and we just saw an increase in conversion rates just from doing that. Like it was Smart. absurd. Um, so it's always been just like the testing aspect, but yeah, like different industries, you kind of have to go look at other people's pages, kind of figure out what other people are doing and kind of like model your own stuff, but also be able to do the research like surrounding that stuff to make sure you're actually providing like a good end product for the person. Um, but like, yeah, different offers is always so cool. Cause like I signed a client recently and he gives out like swag packages. Like he'll do, um, like the merch for people's companies and stuff so they can give it, oh, like you just onboarded a new person. Here's like a sweatshirt that you can give them and a shirt and stuff like that. So like we're going to run an offer where he gives out like a free swag pack where it's just like all this basic stuff. You just put in like your brand's logo and he sends it to you for free. You just have to pay for like shipping. So it's one of those like free plus shipping offers. And I've kind of always wanted to do stuff like that. So it's just cool being able to dive into different offers and specifically like different spaces to see what is really working so that I can go apply that to everyone else that I'm working with. Yeah, super interesting. I feel like uh, branching out into different niches is especially hard for like info products and stuff like that because you have to be educated on all these different specific things. Like you have to write copy that speaks to people that want to learn to play the flute or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, where, do you do, where do you get the research from to actually write informed copy and design a landing page that'll work? Yeah, so a lot of times it's, so the, my first step is always interviewing past customers, past people that bought, his audience, like all that kind of stuff. Because it's easy, it's free. Like you can just go get direct feedback from the people that bought and be like, yo, why did you buy? And then just like double down on like the idea that pops up the most. So do you take the exact syntax from customers? Like I bought because this, I struggled with this, this helped me with this. Like I put out a thread the other day that was like, take like your ideal prospects idea like exact syntax and plug that into your copy like instead of like more revenue like turning more likes into restaurant customers for restaurant owners it's like a really specific piece of copy that yeah. one of our client ascension students got from a, a client and we use that in their outreach scripts and it did really well yeah yeah i've been definitely like people and some people will just put like three words and be like yeah this was great or like <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And then other people will, like, write their entire life story, like, detailing why they bought the course, how it's helped them, how their kid doesn't talk to them, or, like, random stuff like that. It's like, why are you telling me this? But That's the one who dunked the baby in whiskey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's just, it is kind of crazy, but a lot of stuff's insightful because it's like, wow, this helped them achieve. Like, they're almost telling you what happened, like, all the goals they achieved because of this, too. So it's like, oh, yeah, I started, um, like, even the flute people, it's like, oh, I'm more relaxed now. I can... Uh, I feel more comfortable in, in front of other people because I learned to play the flute in front of other people. It's like, what? But it, it kind of makes you think like, okay, how can I market that on the page? It's like, be confident in front of other people. Um, we kind of took like a spiritual angle through ads one time. It was like, because it is a very like relaxing thing. And like every time I watch this video, I, was, I would just sit there for like a minute and just like <laughs> enjoy it. Um, so it is like a very relaxing thing. So you can the problem is you can just go on so many angles all the time. It's kind of just figuring out what works. And a lot of times it is like going after the specific syntax of like exactly what they're saying and just literally putting that on the page because it's going to connect with like a lot more people than you think it will. Um, but then other than that, it's a lot of times just diving into like 
Reddit forums or like Amazon reviews of like big products. Uh, like even I was looking at like a big company's reviews for like their coaching program because I kind of wanted to model like my coaching program off of them. So I was just looking to see what people were saying, like they enjoyed about it, what they said. Uh, like they accomplished this goal. They did this. They did that because then that's what I'm going to talk about all the time. So I think and I, I do think there needs to be a better way to like conduct audience research, like on your specific audience, like a more cut and clear script of, of like a survey or something to ask people specific questions and ways to draw out like more of that kind of like deeper stuff. Um, and I haven't really, I've kind of developed my own thing, but I'd like to see somebody try and like actually productize that and like create some kind of offer product ebook, something around that. Um, Cause I think that stuff's like really important. Yeah, I feel like we used to talk about this a lot. Like, if you have to go out and interview your customers, like, if you don't know where to find them in the first place, probably not a good sign because how are you going to market to someone you can't reach in the first place? So, like, I think yeah. that's that's part of it. And it, to make a productized service to, that's, like, able to do that is going to be tough because it's going to be different for who the niche is. What I'm interested in, like, your thoughts on is, like, websites and funnels have definitely evolved a lot over the past couple of years, right? Like the whole, like everyone has a website that has a bunch of pages and then Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels came out and was like, websites suck. You only need <laughs> one page with one button yeah. or one CTA kind of deal. So like for business owners out there that are thinking of landing page strategies, obviously knowing your, your niche and your customers and the pain points that they experience is really important. But what are some like actual funnel structures or frameworks that you see working really well now outside of like the typical landing page and VSL book a call funnel type of stuff? Yeah. So I've been actually testing out more, like, obviously I, I think a big one's like the free lead magnet, like sign up, get this free thing. It's just like a page that's tiny. You put in your email, your first name, and then they send you to an upsell, maybe something like that. I've been testing out more of, um, like tripwire offers. So it's like the one to $7 range because it kind of gets rid of all the freebie seekers. I mean, there's a ton of those on Twitter to begin with. But I was even listening to uh, like the Dan Kennedy Magnetic Marketing Podcast the other day. And this one lady who does like Facebook ads for people said that it was actually cheaper to acquire a customer using a Tripwire product. So like a, I, th I think they had like a $5 thing. So it was cheaper to acquire a customer for a $5 thing than it was like a free lead magnet. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. But it was a very specific, like, and she applied, like, the same kind of offer to three different niches, and it worked every single time. So I've been trying to test more of that, and, like, from what I've seen, obviously, you're going to get more qualified people that are purchasing that stuff. But, for example, like, I did it the other day with my, uh, like, one offer, and so I did, like, one of those auto DM tweets, and I did it for free at first, and I got, like, a 1,000 replies, whatever. It goes through an opt-in. So 600 people end up actually converting if they open, go through the whole thing. Um, so then I actually did it with, I literally just made it the same thing, a dollar, ran it the next week, and 89 people purchased that thing. Um, like 250 people replied, 89 actually went through and purchased it. Oh, wow. So I'm trying, I'm waiting a little, I want to wait a little bit to figure out like after a month, who out of those two groups purchased more? So I would think the $1 people are going to purchase more. But does it weigh out the 600 people that are now on my email list that I'm like nurturing and kind of upselling them to other things? So that's still something I'm testing because like I kind of want to test with my own stuff before I like run it to a client. I'm like, yeah, let's try this. Yeah. Um, so I'm still trying to test that. But I think it is more valuable at the same time because even like emails, 
pile up and you're paying more per email you're sending. And a lot of times people put in a fake email or something like that. Like no one's going to put in a fake email for a $1 offer. So I almost think it's better to kind of have that quality over that quantity. Um, but once again, it's still something I'm testing. But I think that's going to be because everybody's got something free right now. Like it's all these auto DM tweets of free this, free that, free that. Like I think the way people are going to be able to stand out more is just trying to add some kind of paid like barrier or something like that where it's like, wow, I'm actually paying for something good. Like if people have been releasing all this value for free, like imagine if I pay $5 right now, like what I'm going to get. Um, so I think things are going to start transitioning to that a little bit more. I also think that like obviously webinar funnels are a big thing, like the whole long process. And to me, I don't like them just because personally, I've never sat through an entire webinar. I know some people that have, but like I literally, I, and everybody's attention spans are like shortening like yeah. rapidly. Yeah. So to me, I don't think webinars are going to last too much longer. And I'm trying like a new, it's not like a new, a lot of people do it where it's just like three training videos and they're each 10 to 20 minutes, 20 minutes long. You send them to your, um, have people opt in, send it one day, and then they wait 24 hours to get the next one. So there's three of them. And then there's like a fourth, uh, like, Essentially, it's a VSL. It's like a 10-minute long thing. You're selling them on your program, something like that. So I've been testing that out a lot more as well. Because to me, like I went through one of those funnels. I bought that like end product like instantly. Because I was like, dude, this is so much value through three 20-minute long trainings. Like imagine if I pay 600 bucks for this course. Like I'm going to learn so much. Um, so I'm trying to test that angle a little bit more. Because I think the attention spans of people are shortening. So an hour-long webinar that someone has to like put in their calendar, sit down for, actually show up, like I just think that's so unlikely. Whereas to just go to an on-demand video like once a day for three days, like that's so much lower barrier to entry. Um, so I think that kind of, I think things are going to be shortening to like those kind of offers more, and then like those little tripwire offers I think are going to be become like the new big thing in like the funnel space I'd say. Yeah, super interesting. I feel like there's honestly like an endless amount of things. Like everyone has their own methodology. Like, oh, mine's the best, mine's the best. But at the end of the day, like if you convert customers, you know, with whatever you want to do, I feel like that's – there's no right answer. Yeah, right? exactly. And um, that's what's kind of hard with like all the marketing stuff. Like you're trying to figure out the best thing, but everyone's got like their yeah. own best thing. It's like – Yeah, it can get exhausting to try to keep up. But um, I just want to transition quick because I feel like we've been talking a lot about technical landing page VS like <laughs> yeah, all shit. this stuff. Um <laughs> Hopefully anyone's still here. You got a lot of value, but um, I just want to go into more of the lifestyle side of things. Like you, when we went golfing the other week, last week with Dylan, um, and you were saying how you and your girlfriend are kind of, you know, taking this year abroad and traveling all over the place. Um, so talk about like what are your plans for this year in terms of traveling, and also how this, you know, money life or internet money lifestyle lets you, you know, travel as, as much as you want. Yeah, I think everybody has like that mindset of like, oh, someday I'm just gonna be able to travel the world and do whatever I want. Um, so like after, as our like lease was about to expire, we're like, well, we're not doing anything next year. Like we don't have anybody's wedding to go do. No one's graduating from whatever. So we don't really need to be around. Um, so we decided to just like start booking Airbnbs and just see where the year took us. Um, so we're starting here in Tampa and then going to Orlando. Uh, and then we have places booked in California until August. And then the plan is to go to Europe until like December, um, haven't ironed that out because that's like a lot of planning that I don't feel like doing right now, <laughs> like eight months in advance. Um, but it's kind of just been nice to like, I feel, and this was my biggest month ever. And I've literally been, 
I drove here from Pennsylvania, which was like 1,200 miles or something stupid, or 2,000 miles, I think. I don't know. Um, it was like 15, 16-hour drive, and that was like the first week of January. I lived at home for the first week, and then I've lived in Tampa for like the last three weeks, and it was like my biggest month, and I think it's just because like I've been able to separate myself from just being around people that require my attention is like kind of a bad way to put it like I still enjoy my friends from back home and I still love talking to everybody but it's kind of like I don't know it a lot of mental energy goes in that kind of stuff and even my family like I'm an oldest sibling so I have a younger brother younger sister and there's a lot of energy yeah. like even when I'm at home I'm like oh I gotta go pick up my sister from soccer practice oh I gotta go yeah. do this go do go get groceries it's not like a bad thing but like when I go home for the holidays it's like dinner with your grandparents dinner with your family not bad at all but I'm just it, it can you know distract you exactly. from getting a bunch of deep work done which it's, is understandable yeah it just piles up and it's it's never a bad thing it's always fun and enjoyable but it's kind of hard to just like turn off that switch sometime and be like yeah i definitely don't have a lot of work to do right now and i'm definitely like enjoying sitting here at dinner doing nothing like <laughs> sometimes it can be kind of hard to get through that stuff but it is always fun and i think being able to kind of being able to turn off that switch is important sometimes and like just take time with family do whatever um but yeah, like moving away kind of has just like separate separated me from that and like like okay, I literally am just gonna work all day and then if I don't leave the apartment, like, oh well, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and um, I feel like uh when, <laughs> when everything's not optimized and you're traveling and just your schedule's kinda messed up, it's almost like you're more productive because you're under a time crunch. You're like, oh, I have to get this done because we're driving to Florida tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, even through college, I always felt my most productive when I had, like, practice that night, a test the next day, like, all that stuff where it's really just a time crunch and you're, you're forced to be focused in those situations. So I feel like when you're traveling and, I mean, I'm going, like, places six weeks at a time, so it's not like I'm in too much of a time crunch. Um, but it is a little bit more... There's more urgency to it because it's like it is a little bit more expensive. It's not like too much more expensive, um, but there's, I think there's like an added level of something there that kind of forces you to like dial in. And I mean, what else are you gonna do? Like essentially, I just go to the gym, go grocery shopping, or just like sit at home with my girlfriend or go out and do something random. Like we went to like a, we went to an open mic last night in um, <laughs> Yarbor City or whatever it's called. E really? E e e yeah. <laughs> no. I've been here three weeks. <laughs> no, don't even worry about that place, <laughs> no, it's, man. It's okay if you don't pronounce it right. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah, just lucky mic. to have you here after that. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> open mic was literally like the size of this room. It was, there were some people that were so bad, it was like silent, like pin drop. It was painful. But then those were, people are kind of the best, though, because everybody's looking around. Dude, yeah, yeah. And there's always just one chick that's like loudly laughing, and everyone's like, what yeah. the fuck is like, she doing? What are you, you are definitely that person. Yeah. But there were some really interesting people. And as the night progressed, like less and less people were there, weirder people were stepping up <laughs> to do stuff. And it was getting like really painful. But there were some funny, random people, like funny ass people. And some people that like definitely just came off the street and just like wanted to say something. Yeah. Like this one dude was like, he hops on stage, and the first thing he says, like, I never could have been a thug. And we're, <laughs> he's like, I've been too much of a bitch my whole life. My mama, he's like, my stepmom sat me aside one day, and she said, Cameron, you're too much of a bitch. You ever heard of anybody on the street named Cameron? No, <laughs> it's not a thing. And he's, like, and he's like, I really tried to be a thug. Like, I really wanted to be. And it wasn't until, like, one day I was driving with my friends. There was four people in the car, and our car got shot up. And he's like, true story, true story. Everyone just got silent. And he's like... <laughs> And I, after five minutes, I was the only one still crying. <laughs> He's like, Jesus. that's when I knew I really couldn't be a, 
a thug. And I was like, oh my God. This sounds so, like a person who was just on the street in Ebor who just wanted to vent. Uh, it might have. And I think he got the most laughs out of everybody that night because it was like, what the fuck? Dude, I love stand up comedy. It's yeah, just like, it is everybody's funny. so present. Like, even if people are bad, everybody's collectively getting a little bit more drunk throughout the night. Exactly. It's a great time. It is fun. I, I think there should be like a. Klein Ascension stand-up comedy. That'd be amazing. Hell no, I'd have to be hammered to get up there, bro. Dude, I, no there chance. might be like a shot minimum to get in the room or something. Like that'd be fun though. <laughs> that would be a good. There's time. some guy in Austin on Twitter that does open mics. His name's like Adam. Really? Kamal or something? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that's cool. Dude, one question I have too, like talking about lifestyle stuff and doing things outside of business, is like I've seen on your Twitter. I think you did like a 10-mile race, and then you like climb like a mountain for like nine hours or something like talk about that yeah um so the 10 mile race i like i used to run in like middle school because i'm tall and skinny so like that's what <laughs> you do um but like the race my mom had just signed up like my brother and my sister was like oh yeah, yeah i signed you guys up for this 10 mile race <laughs> the rocky run uh in like two months and i was like oh cool that sounds awesome uh, and I had like all these knee problems and stuff. Like I have a trainer right now to help me like fix my knee from like a soccer injury two years ago. So it was like a, like I barely even trained for it. So it was like, I felt like David Goggins just like <laughs> dialing in because I had no conditioning whatsoever. And I was just like, my leg was hurting the entire time in like mile, <laughs> mile two of that race. There was a giant gap in front of me. And I was like, why the fuck is there like a, like in the race, it's pretty tight. So I was really surprised there was a gap in front of me. And then I, like, smelled something. And I was like, what is that smell? And I look up, and the dude 20 feet in front of me, nobody in front of me except him, shit, just down his leg. Oh, Mile two. Like, it's not like we're that far into the race. I was like, dude, you can stop. Like, it's not that big of a deal. He was trucking. Dude, he was flying. Dude, and it's a competitive advantage. Oh, my God. You're not going anywhere No close one was near him. It smelled <laughs> all down his leg. It was literally the second mile. Oh. I was just like... I ran by as fast as I, yeah. Dude, I think it's just nerves. Like, whenever I get, like, nervous, I have to fucking Yeah, shit. but that like, bad? We, have to run, we used to have to run a mile in middle school, and I was, like, a chubby kid, so I get, <laughs> I get nervous because I was, like, scared of how tired I was about to be. And, like, every time I'm like, why do I have to poop every time I do this, like, this mile? Dude, that was, like, that was, like, my day. Like, every day we had to run the mile, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Because I, like, played soccer growing up, skinny, tall. Like, it was literally made for me. Um... But yeah, like the 10 mile race was essentially just like a thing I did for my mom and they couldn't walk for like a week afterwards. <laughs> um, Thanks, and then, mom. Yeah, right. Dude, I was, I was kind of mad because I was like trying to focus on playing soccer in like this one <laughs> league I was in, but it was, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm probably just never going to do it. Were you a, you're a defender. You got to be a defender. Yeah. Or a midfielder. Yeah. Okay. Defender. I was gonna say. Or defensive mid. Depends yeah. on the day. Definitely. Uh, who's a big, you like Fellaini on uh, Belgium? <laughs> I have been uh, compared to Fellaini before. Yeah. Did you used to have bigger hair? Yeah, dude. I, I grew it out. I mean, even at the event was like one of the longest I ever had it. Um, but I kind of just go until it gets too long and in my face, and then I kind of just buzz it pretty much. I haven't really found like my style that I'm committing to. Um, and like 23, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the race was kind of just like a spur of the moment thing. And then I just tweeted about it because like trying to be more personal on the personal brand side of things to connect to more people. Um, but then the mountain was when I was in New Zealand and we got that email saying like we literally had to leave in like a week. So I booked my flight and I said to all my friends I live with, I was like, yo, I've been one like my background on my laptop has been this mountain and it happened to be in New Zealand. I was like, well, I'm going there, so I might as well go see it. Um, and I was like, yo, I have a week left. Like, I'm going to go to this mountain. And the one guy from Belgium, 
he was always like really committed to doing like everything. So he's like, <laughs> why don't we just climb it? And I was like, well, that's kind of stupid. Like people, <laughs> I looked it up and people are like dying every year thinking they can climb it and then they can't. Um, he's like, well, let's just try it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so it was like four of us that went and actually tried to do it. And um, I was in like jeans and I had a backpack with like three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and like a giant thing of water and was not prepared at all. And people were passing us on, uh, like, going up, and they're like, yeah, you should probably turn around. Like, are you, like, they were asking us, like, did you check the wind speeds? And we're like, eh, not really. <laughs> um, so they were telling us to turn around, and because they said people die, like, thinking they can climb it all the time. And there was a section that was so, like, slippery. Like, the rocks just kept falling that, like, if you were to slide, you weren't going to, like, die. Like, you wouldn't just keep falling, but you'd probably slide for, like, 20 feet if you were going to. And my shoes were just so worn down that I couldn't climb up. So I was, like, literally on my stomach, like, <laughs> trying to climb up the mountain and, like, not make the rocks just, like, come down and stuff like that. Um, so there was, at some points, it was a little crazy. But we started at, like, 4 in the morning. It was sunrise at, like, 7. So that was, like, really cool because we were above the clouds. Um, and then we got to the peak at, like, 11. So it was, like, a seven hours to get to the top. And uh, when we got – so it's an active volcano. It's not an active volcano. It's a volcano – but it hasn't like been active. So the top is just like ice. So it's like when you're down and you're starting, it's 70 degrees. And then when you get to the top, it's like zero degrees. Oh, shit. Um, so that kind of sucked because like I just had like a windbreaker on essentially. <laughs> so we got to the top and we were just like freezing for like 10 minutes. And we're like, all right, yeah, let's go back down. <laughs> um, but when we got to the top, there was a bunch of people up there and some guy from Sweden, he's like, I've climbed this mountain like eight times. And this is like the like clearest it's ever been like usually it's surrounded by clouds and stuff and like i could take a video and you could see the ground and like the coast and stuff it was so cool um and like i have a picture of me like eating a peanut butter jelly like three pbjs <laughs> and a windbreaker human types are <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like two triple deckers of like <laughs> in this tupperware and that's all i had yeah hiking's fun man i did it for the first time last year in banff canada and it's just beautiful it's way harder than you'd expect though yeah still i'd rather do something like that than run 10 miles behind the guy with yeah, the squirts. Yeah, that was that was an experience. And I always tell people about that race because that was like the only exciting part of that race. Like, oh yeah, I ran 10 miles and this dude shit himself a mile. <laughs> um, but yeah, like hiking is so much fun and it took us like four hours to get back down and like my legs were like shot afterwards but like there was just like such an energy of like, wow, we actually like did that. Yeah, um, you're not going to find that in Florida. Are you hitting any of the hiking spots out in Cali? Pot? Yeah, so like one of the places we got, like one of them's in Long Beach, and then one's like um, closer to like Salt Lake. So we want to like go to Salt Lake around, and there's a bunch of trails around there and stuff. But we'll have our car, and we're planning on like driving, driving around. Driving from Florida? Yeah, it's like 2,500 miles in like a wow. day and 21 hours. Oh my god! But we, we budgeted make some like stops along the way. <laughs> yeah, we budgeted like two weeks for it, and we I have like a bunch of friends in between where I could stop somewhere, or get a hotel or something, but. I've kind of never been to, like, many different states before. Uh, like, pretty much East Coast, and then I flew out to L.A., like, one time. Um, so I've kind of been, like, wanting to see more stuff, and I figured, like, what better year to do it than the year I'm literally doing nothing else other than that. Um, so we literally just, like, our car is just packed full of stuff, like, on the way down. Like, it like I felt how much heavier it weighed because we had, like, eight bins in there. You couldn't see out of the back, and it's essentially just, like, all of our clothes and then whatever work stuff we need, which isn't, like, too much stuff. Um, does your girlfriend do online business, or what is she involved in? Yeah, so right now she has, like, two Instagram accounts with, like, 30,000 followers that um, she's trying to monetize a little bit more. 
Um, she does. She's trying to. I've been trying to help her like get into like the digital creator, like that kind of stuff. Because to me, it's still like such an easy market to like jump in and make a course, doing whatever. Like, so we're trying to figure out like exactly what she's good at to like make a course, do something like that. So she's doing a lot of sewing projects. Um, she's more like creative than I am, so she's more on that side of things. And I'd even thought about like hiring her, like having her help out with my stuff. But I've heard so many horror stories of people like hiring their girlfriend, hire, like hiring family to do this and stuff that I've been trying to shy away from it. Shit up uh, Oliver Canteen. Him and his wife are like partners on there. Really? Uh, yeah. Interesting. I think he does like he does like something with uh, online courses and info products, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I might. I, I've been wanting to try and explore something like that, but I my dream goal is for her to just like create a course on something or become known for something so that I can like market everything for it. So then we're kind of like massive working together share deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, better be massive. <laughs> yeah, so like that's kind of like my goal, but obviously like I'm not going to decide her entire life. Um, so she's kind of been focusing on doing that, and obviously I have a decent amount of experience doing that kind of stuff, so I've been trying to give her pointers and direct her to do certain things. But yeah, she's always kind of wanted to do like her own business kind of stuff, but just, I mean, I think the hardest part is really just finding what you want to do, and I think... I mean, it took me two years to kind of, like, figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so it's always, like, a hard process, I feel like. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your perspective of, like, our event, right? Because, obviously, last October, we threw our first ever in-person event for Klein Ascension down here in Tampa. That was kind of just, like, a random idea that we had at the cigar bar one night. We're like, we got to do an event, get a bunch of people for money Twitter down here. Because I just feel like there hasn't been, like, a congregation of people from the online world yeah, in person. Uh, so kind of talk about like, what was your perspective on it? When you heard about the event, what was like the trigger for you to say, like, I'm going to go. And then what was the experience like? Yeah. So when I heard about it, I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. Like I've always been, I've always, I never met anybody. I don't think in like in person on Twitter before up until that point. So I'd always wanted to do that, but I was kind of in a state where I was like, okay, I don't want to do trips until like the end of the year, like go anywhere because I really want to just focus on what I'm doing now. But then I kind of looked at it as like a way to connect with people and talk with people and make connections, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I ended up like pulling the trigger and um, I'd never been to Tampa before, so it was kind of cool to see the area. And I, As soon as I went home, I even told my girlfriend, I was like, I definitely want to move there at some point. And now I'm here like three months later. Um, but it was it was just so surreal to seeing like people in person and like I don't know even um, like as soon as I got to the one place on like the Friday night I saw Daniel and he looks over at me he's like Logan landing pages and I was like <laughs> I was like oh, okay <laughs> need to change my username um, but it was it was just always so cool like talking with these people online but then actually meeting them in person and being able to talk with them there uh, so to that extent it was cool but. Then the fact that there was just so much energy, like back home, I think everybody has home friends where, or you kind of grow up in the system of like get a nine to five, do this, do that, do that. So that's what all my friends were doing. And it's not that it's boring because like I always thought it'd be cool to like be involved in a company like that, but I just like couldn't connect with it on the way that they could. So I was, I've never felt like I belonged in that kind of sense. So then going to an event like this, it was just cool to see everybody like, meeting random people that do crazy things and make a ton of money. Like it kind of opened my eyes to like, wow, I can really progress doing this and connecting with these people is fun. And they're actually all like nice people too. Like, um, so that was like an eye opening thing. And to me, like the biggest thing was like the energy of everything. Like 
I even sent an email out to my list the other, like I think today actually, going over like the importance behind like the energy behind things and how last year I spent more on coaching than like I had made the previous year essentially, and uh, like the biggest thing for me was the energy of being surrounded by people that are talking about like even in the wins category of client ascension like people are always posting different things and I'm like fuck like I need to post something there soon like I want to be able to post something in there soon it kind of like motivates you and keeps you in the loop with like doing all that kind of stuff and staying involved and posting content and staying consistent because if you drop off, people are going to notice. Yeah. Like you're almost like giving yourself no excuses to like quit essentially. Like you're going all in and doing this. So to me, that was kind of the way, like by joining the group and committing to client ascension was kind of like the way of me uh, saying like, okay, I'm no longer a freelancer. Like I want to become a business. I want to like do this full time. I want to connect with people and make deals and like do all that stuff. And, um, but, like, the biggest thing from the event was just all that energy, like, from people, seeing people and be like, yo, I've talked to you for, like, the last two years, but we have never, like, seen you in person yeah. before. Like, it's kind of cool to do that. And uh, even, like, Cold Email Wizard was, like, one of the first people on Twitter when I was there. And we were both, like, at 1,000 followers. And that was back when he was still using, like, exclamation points and being, like, excited for people. And now it's just like, dude, why are you poor and stuff? Like, <laughs> like the progression has just been insane. Because he had empathy now. back then? Yeah, dude. Yeah. He had a lot of em- Like, before he didn't have the brand. Like, he had to, like, connect with people and be nice and stuff like that. So it's kind of just funny seeing that he's just, like, realized that he's, like, a force in the space and just thrown all out, all that out the window and stuff uh, just because he can. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Like, he's going to connect to those people anyway. But before it was like growing a brand, it's like, oh, I need to actually like talk to people and like respond to people and actually give them good advice. And now it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's just funny to see the transition of that stuff. But uh, it's, it's just so cool to meet, see people in person and then be able to be in a community where like talking with each other and like throwing around ideas and stuff like that is just so regular. You know? Yeah. yeah. It just felt normal, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which is, yeah, the energy was insane, dude. And yeah. I've I've heard stories from a lot of people that were at the event of like partnering up with some of the other guys or hiring some of the other guys. Like I know the Default Kings were down here; they run a coaching program, and they hired uh, David to help with sales. They hired one of the guys from Australia to actually do sales for their company, That's and it's awesome. just like I feel like there's a lot of power in bringing people with like that mindset together. Yeah, and I think something like like you said, something like that was always missing, especially yeah. from our group. Like everybody's very on Twitter is very like committed to what they're doing and like hundred percent in and doing things and like whatever they can do to progress and stuff. So like, I think someone literally just needed to host the event and people were just going to sign up and go for it. Um, so it's cool that you guys did it and I got connected with you guys. Yeah. It's so refreshing to put yourself in the competitive environment again. I feel like you, you probably excel in that cause you played sports and everything. But like for your example, like back home, everybody was getting nine to fives. If everybody's applying to jobs, like you're eventually going to apply to a job and you're going to get it as well. Like, you're just not going to be the only person that's not doing it. Exactly. That's why, you know, finding that community, whether it's, you know, in person at an event, online, in a group like Client Ascension is so important. Because when you're surrounded by people that are all doing the same shit, it just, it's so much easier to wake up and actually get the work done. Where yeah. if you're the only one doing it from, like, your at-home group, it's super, super difficult because you just feel like you're on an island the whole time. Yeah, you feel very isolated. Even, like... I mean, when, especially when people are telling you, like, ah, this probably isn't going to work. Like, ah, you probably shouldn't do this. Or you need to get a part, like, my mom was like, you get a part-time job, please. Like, work at Walmart again. I worked at Walmart for, like, a winter or something. <laughs> She's like, please work at Walmart again while you're doing this stuff. And I was like, ah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it was, I was always kind of missing, like, that community aspect. And even when I was at school and applying for those environmental science jobs still, it was like, 
I felt like I was only doing it because everyone else was. It's like, dude, I applied to like eight jobs this week. It's like, whoa. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, there was a career fair. It was like, yo, are you wow. going? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't really enjoy this stuff. <laughs> like, career the fairs was just like, here's my resume. Like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. Like, oh my God, I hated that shit, dude. <laughs> my friends like, went, who can stroke this guy's ego the most. Yeah. Dude, exactly. And it, that's all it was. It, it was like very like LinkedIn. Like in person. It's so funny because now the kids I graduated with are the ones going back as recruiters. And I'm like, yeah. I used to like look up to this guy. And now it's like my stupid, my friend that I've just like seen in so many stupid Dude, situations. It's crazy to see people, the way people progress yeah. and the stuff like that. It's like, oh, the popular kid like literally is like reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Like, hey, do you know anybody that has a job? Like I'm looking for <laughs> It's like, dude, like you bullied me for two years. And now, yeah, you're, yeah. And now you're looking for a job. It's kind of funny how like the, the narrative shifted from like who throws the best frat parties and shit like that to like now you actually have to, you know. Dude, there's a new there's a new pecking order of success and it's not just like yeah. who has the sickest parties you know yeah it's and it's just crazy like the way stuff goes and um, even like with the career fair and stuff like my friends they went to a, a like a, an event for like extra credit like it was oh you get five points extra credit if you go to this event and they were so bored they're like oh let's get high before we go so they went and it turned out to be like essentially like a network event where they had to meet like all these people and shake hands <laughs> so they walked in and they just said like their eyes just opened up they're like fuck what are we gonna do <laughs> and they had to be there for like an hour and they were sending me like text messages like yo can you come pick us up we're like we need to get out of here <laughs> but it was always that stuff like it's just boring and like no one wants to actually do it but you feel like you have to do it to progress and like with it's just such a rat race though like i, I remember know. going to a career fair and it, i was doing finance at the time switched to marketing because that was the easiest way to graduate yeah with a business degree <laughs> but uh it's like everybody's going to like this investment firm or like if you're an accountant you're just sucking up to the person at the big four and then like you just walk and you realize yeah. like you're just gonna give the job to your nephew like why, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why am i even here <laughs> why am i trying right now yeah yeah um, it's very fake it is and it, it, you, like, are required to do, like, a level of fake. I feel like once like someone succeed. gets the job, too, like, the LinkedIn post is always the same. Like, oh, my God. Grateful yeah. to announce that I've accepted the position at XYZ Company. Yeah. So grateful for all my professors that got me here. Like, excited to see where my career takes me. It's, like, the and same And all of their friends are, like, the time. very congrats, specific. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Dude, amazing opportunity for you. Excited <laughs> for you. Like, congrats, man. It's, like. <laughs> yeah, not to, like, 9 to 5 bash, but everybody's becoming just a straight up NPC. Like, if you went into ChatGPT. And we're like, hey, write me a message, uh, which is me announcing that I'm grateful to accept the position at this company. That's the exact message. I want to get back posts. on LinkedIn and just like shit posts and just post the wildest stuff and see what happens. It would I feel stand like it's out. just so stale on LinkedIn. It, it would work. stand out. I'm I, like, I'm planning on actually doing that like next yeah. month. Like, because I think it would stand out because everybody's so like mundane and just like, Bleh. like every year when my anniversary comes up, when I started at KnowledgeX, it's like. 100 messages like happy anniversary happy anniversary like, yeah it's like, i feel like i'm in like a dystopia like what yeah. is this it's just yeah it's, it's a wasteland going uh going back to the network this is something that i always think about which is super cool uh like you mentioned you're driving across country to california at this point we could stop in almost every state and just find like an online business homie to, to stay dude, with. I'm going to Cali tomorrow. I tweeted, I'm going to LA tomorrow. Who's there? And I got like five people. Like, yeah, yo, we that's, got a yeah, link. I'm like, that's dude, this so is cool. Is that something that like you, you plan on doing when you're out? Just like meeting other people from online business and just like doubling down on the in-person relationships <clears> since <throat> you kind of got, I guess, like somewhat of a taste yeah. since you went to the event? Yeah, I have some clients. Um, like even people I've talked to before, clients, past clients and stuff. I have a lot of people in like the Midwest and even on West Coast, I've just never been to see and stuff. So I plan on at least stopping by and getting, like, lunch with them or something. Um, but I met a dude on Twitter 
like actually probably like 12 months ago now. Once again, 30 followers, random profile picture. Um, he's the founder of a company. It's called, dude, I don't remember what it's called. It's like what's something. I don't know. It was literally Google before Google. It was the first search engine ever. Oh, wow. He started it, and it ended up getting bought out by, like, Yahoo or Google or something like that. But they drove it up to, uh, I mean, it was the highest grossing internet company. It was the highest grossing internet company ever reached, like, a certain percentage or a certain milestone or something like that. He ran it up to, like, however much, 800 million or something like that. He was, like, the co-founder in it. Randomly reached out to me on uh, Twitter and was just like, uh, I'd love to work with you on something. Because I mentioned something about revenue share. Um, and he's from Tampa. He literally lives in a, like Hyde Park right now. Oh, so okay. the other, I met up with him on Friday and had breakfast with him. But we've been talking for the past 12 months. and uh, Wait, he, We have to connect with this guy. That'd be sick to have him on here. Uh, I think you've talked with him. He said he's talked with you before. His name's Courtney. Hmm. You follow, I think, I don't know if you follow him. One of you guys followed him, though. Because I, whenever I clicked his profile to DM him, I saw it. Um, but he's, he literally just will send out random DMs and be like, oh, what are you doing right now? Something like that. Because he's just trying to connect because he was kind of like us before like we were alive. Like he was – he even – he told me, he's like, I made a video in 1983 talking about the, the electrical entrepreneur. He said, one day you're going to be able to sell things like over the internet or like Ooh, over the air. You have to get this guy on. What the heck? So like he, he said that and – in 1983, so like no one, everyone's like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> what yeah. does that even mean? Like, what does that look like and stuff? And now it's actually happening. Um, so we've been talking for like the past 12 months on like a project and he's been working on it. And then I'm going to become like an affiliate for him and run like funnels and ads to it. Um, but it was, it was just cool, like being able to meet up with someone in person that I just met and like is actually like, like I make however much a month and he's made like however much a year. Like, it's insane the amount of money he's made. And I could just meet him because I have 50,000 followers on Twitter. And he, yeah. like, views me as an authority in some aspect. Um, so I think to that extent, it's cool yeah. to, like, see those kind of people Super and stuff. Cool. That stuff's um, funny, too, because, like, you talked earlier about how, like, your parents and people back home are like, oh, don't do that. That's dangerous. That's risky, like, with starting a business. Like, it's yeah. the same thing with meeting people on the Internet. It's yeah. like, oh, don't go meet that guy. He might, like, kill you or something. Like, yeah. how do you, <laughs> exactly. like how, you know, you're not going to die. <laughs> how do you know he's his profile picture? He's not yeah. catfishing you. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is crazy. And, like, I don't know. There's always going to be those people that are kind of supportive but, like, really just hesitant of you, like, trying those things. And um, But, like, meeting people online, I, I've yet to have a bad experience so far. It's Everyone's been very nice, and it's... Twitter especially, man. Everyone's super cool on Twitter, I feel like. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Everyone... I think anybody that has, like, some kind of audience on Twitter is there for mostly the right reasons. Like, I've yet to see anybody with, like, a big account. I mean, actually, there's, like, a couple people that I know that, are like, say they make this much money, and they don't make this much money, and they're essentially culting people into, like, making money online, and <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's bad, but um, for the most part, I think most Pretty people... Pretty genuine, are, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's there to just actually make connections and see what you can do together. Super dope. One question we like to ask to kind of wrap things up is like, you obviously find your way into entrepreneurship, having success, traveling the country this year, doing, you know, online business, which is super dope, connecting with other entrepreneurs. Like that's a place that probably like four or five years ago, like you would have been ecstatic to be in. Yeah. Right. And so think about people that are in that position now, five years before, you're having the success, like, what would you, I guess, really what I'm trying to ask is, like, what would you say to your 18-year-old self? Yeah, so, I think, 
I'm trying not to give like basic advice here because I feel like the basic <coughs> advice is always like learn a high income skill, post about it, connect with people, do all this stuff. Um, but I think it's still really early on in like building an audience on platforms and like being able to take advantage of like going viral once and then literally just like recycling that into something. So I think honestly just committing to something and it doesn't have to be something you're passionate about. Like, you want to find something that you can do for a little bit of time, but it doesn't have to, like, you don't have to envision a career out of it. Like, I never envisioned a career out of copywriting. Yeah. Like, to me, it was cool that I could make money by writing words, but I never looked at it as, like, oh, yeah, I'm literally going to, like, retire as a copywriter. You know what I mean? So it's more of just, like, taking that first step because it kind of just leads you down a rabbit hole of, like, oh, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. Met this person. This is a good opportunity. Like, the only reason I ever got into funnels is just because someone had mentioned to me that like click funnels was the way to go like making landing pages and doing that kind of stuff because all the big people did it yeah. and i was like well i guess i'm gonna learn and i like read every russell brunson's book i read all that stuff um so it was more about just like committing to one idea for like maybe 90 days 60 days or something and becoming the best you can at that and then trying to maybe get clients or like put your work out there where you could possibly make money from that or do something at least see the results of what you're doing so that you know it's either working or not working and then kind of just progressing that from that and seeing what you could branch off with like now you have this skill what could you pair that with to like come up with a good offer or what could you pair that with to like actually entice people to pay you and to help grow their business or do something like that so I think it's important to pair stuff but I think the first step is always going to be getting that first skill down and really just surrounding yourself with people in that skill and then like I think growing an audience like just tweeting about what you learn is such an easy thing and yeah. that's literally what I started and I mean that's kind of why I've grown so slow is because I never really did anything until like last year essentially um, so I was just tweeting about like knowledge that I'm learning and what's working with like the one client I have or something yeah. like that um, so I think it's always good to build an audience because you're going to make those connections and stuff but really just getting that one thing down so that you can like progress from that and bounce off to other things and grow and learn what you actually like and want to do. Yeah. Build a skill set and then document the journey. Yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with that at all. Like even the people that like take pictures of themselves for eight years in a row and you just like see the compilation of them, like their face moving and their beard grows or whatever <laughs> like that. Like that was just a commitment to do something for a long term. And like they got a million views on YouTube, whether they're going to, I don't know. They're not going to make like, oh, how to make a long-term video. Like, they're probably <laughs> not going to do that. But it's just the fact that they could commit to something so long-term. And I think that's what's important with, like, learning an online skill is like, okay, I'm doing this to possibly progress in, like, this or this or this. And this is my long-term goal. And I want to commit to doing this. Because otherwise, if you can't commit to it, then it's just – it's going to drop off after a month or two. Because people are going to put you down, People, all this stuff, and uh, a lot of obstacles that are going to come in your way. So you just have to – Realize that your skill, your thing is going to be the way to get you to where you want to be and just commit to it then. Great, great anecdote to leave it off. So the way we always wrap up is, um, are we doing a lightning round for this one? or? No. Nah. <laughs> Not okay. ready for we that. Were, uh, <laughs> scheming, we were scheming with our content guy about how to get um, some new content in the door. But um, the way we typically leave it off is is just going over, you know, how can someone reach out to you, learn more about your journey, follow your tweets, um, work with you, and just stay in touch with you. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter is Lofted Learning. Might change to Logan Storty soon, but for now it's Lofted Learning. Um, I plan on tweeting there for the long term, and then like next month I plan to go like multi-platform and start posting on a bunch of different stuff. Uh, but for now, I'm always going to be posting on Twitter, and my account is private as of now, but that's just for the algorithm. 
okay. then you'll get in my ecosystem and uh, I'll email you and stuff like that. But DM me if you have any questions or uh, specific things you want to work on because I'm always open to new stuff. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate you coming on, bro. Thank you for coming on. Congrats yeah, thanks for on the record, me, guys. Month. It's been a lot of fun.